0: Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 8, Episode 12, Story Worlds Media. Hello there, everybody. Welcome along to Talking Con. A cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. My name's Leonard Sultana, and this is where we talk convention culture, comic cons, uh, the stuff that you enjoy at such events, such as comics and uh, pop culture. Um, Obviously, not a great deal to talk about when it comes to comic cons, but we do have some bits and pieces. Stick around towards the end, because we are going to be doing a bit of an update when it comes to uh, San Diego Comic Con. We actually have some news coming out of that particular event. We're going to get into all of that uh, later on but uh, as always with our shows because we don't have much in the way of con news to talk about we can talk about what's happening in the world of comics and the comics industry we've uh, covered a lot of things over the course of the summer the way that uh, the industry has weaved and ebbed and flowed over the course of the the pandemic um the way that it's evolved the way it's changing and it's changing rapidly i mean considering that uh we're talking only a couple of months ago when uh, Diamond decided to uh, uh, shift its uh, model and DC have changed its way of uh, operating its business. There's so much happening in the way of comics which makes it such an exciting and vibrant place to work. However, it's still very much a difficult place to work considering that a lot of people have disposable income, money's running out, people are stressed, people are looking to uh, find themselves a distraction, but at the end of the day, it's a very difficult and interesting landscape to work in. Which makes the launch of a comics house, especially one here in the UK, a very interesting proposition indeed. Uh, We've got ourselves the people behind Storyworld's media. It's a, a pleasure to have you joining us. We have ourselves Max Gadney. We have ourselves Ramsey, and we've got Simon. i was going to get this wrong. Is it Delafond? Perfect. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Listen, that's usually where things go horribly wrong. I usually go. I mean, let's put it this way: there are good, there's a couple of people in the creative team which I know I'm going to have to pass over to Max uh, to pronounce the surname uh, of one or two of them. But um, listen, it's a pleasure to have you joining us today. We're going to be showing some bits and pieces uh, from some upcoming books uh, from Story Worlds Media. Um, this is something that you may have seen on your social media over the last couple of weeks. I think the things that obviously got my attention is the fact that it's a UK comics publishing house. Brand new and straight out the gate. Four books and coming with a slightly different model than you might expect. It's all the brainchild. Of Max Gardney and I think it's only fair that we let Max kind of uh, introduce himself and explain what Story World Media is all about. First things first I think uh, just yeah Max if you could uh, introduce yourself sir please.
1: Yeah hi well thanks so much for having us um, it's fantastic and I hope while everyone sort of sits in this world bereft of meeting each other and go to cons and all the rest of it that we can provide some sort of yeah, entertainment for forty minutes or so, however long it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, so my name's Max, and I'm the founder of Story Worlds. Yeah, I mean, you know, my background is, I mean, I've, I'm a comics person. I, mean, I haven't been working in comics, so you know, I just, Story Worlds has been going since um, February this year, properly. Okay. Um, been sort of doing background work on it a little while, but generally February this year, 2020. But you know, th- I think the journey for me started really when I was sort of age four, and I lived in London, and my mum. You know, I was in a pram. I was rickety '70s prams, and my mum pushed me into a, a 1970s British newsagent that sort of smelt of print, ink, and sweets, ink and sugar, and probably tobacco. But I mean, everyone's kind of inured to all those. You know, <laughs> I was probably smoking myself, so you know, I could only smell the, um, <laughs> I could only smell the um, ink, and, ink and sweets. But the first thing I reached for was a 2000 AD, and you know, and I think it was an Ant Wars 2000 AD too, because what four-year-old is not going to want? You know, I don't think I could read back then, but I could sense the words die ant on the front of this prog, and it must have been an early one. And I think since then I've just been a comics you know, nut, and that's sort of driven me through, you know, as a comics fan, really. So, you know, talking about this stuff on a fan level, I've, I've done a lot of publishing it at a professional level. Um, I've been doing about 10 months of. So, but, you know, it's, I think the thing that I'd be bringing to it is basically in the last 25 years, I've been working as a designer. I've been working in the media. I've been working, I've worked at the BBC in news, in TV, and I run my own business, my own design company for the last 10 years, really. So I've got a bit of a sense. I feel like I'm on the apprentice as to why you shouldn't fire me. But, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> but let's not mention the apprentice for many reasons. <laughs> and, you know, so I think some of those weird outside insights from outside comics are, you know, any th- any insights outside an industry are always useful when trying to do something new in that industry, but also the bottom line is the stories have got to be great and new and interesting. So that's also what we are spending, you know, 97 percent of the time on is making that stuff right. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that, you know, that's um, I could and will go on, but not just just, just yet.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I mean, I find it interesting that um, I mean you don't have a background in comics per se. Uh, It is coming at at it as a fan. Um, Why did you feel that now was the time to really kick up the gear with Story Worlds Media? Because I I, I can imagine that was a name and an idea that has been percolating in the back of your head for quite some time.
1: I, I mean, the, the origin of that world is one of my jobs at BBC. And for those of you who don't know, um, the BBC is a large British publicly funded media organisation um, where a few people work, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, so, and most of what it does is very, very good. And most of what it does and some of what it does could be a bit better, like most public service companies. Um, but, you know, BBC is a great place and long may it continue. But one of the jobs I did when I was there um, was looking at um, how different TV brands and and his, and genres like history or so um, could be work well on digital media and and part of that thinking there were lots of people at the bbc at the time lots of academics and lots of people sort of discussing what ideas are if they if they jump across different media from tv to radio to games you know all that sort of stuff so that's what story worlds comes from because i think the idea is one thing you want to create in one of these um you know lost was a very good example on tv back at the time of a story world i mean disney have been at it for absolutely years obviously um, and the Marvel, you know, we now call it the, the MCU, don't we? But, I mean, long before marketing teams or or anyone at Variety got hold of the idea of the MCU, I think, you know, Stanley knew exactly what he was doing, making interchangeable ideas on this sort of platform in this world where physics was generally similar. Now, we don't have a... Um, well, we do, actually. I, I am working on a chart that's showing how all the stories and characters and everything are kind of interlinked. but oh, I wow. Well, I'm doing that as a slightly sort of... Funny project, um, <laughs> funny odd, not ha ha. I mean, <laughs> um, and the, and the, and the thing is, right now they're not linked as much as is would be tidy, but um, but you know what? We're very early days, um, sure. uh, but it, and it would be lovely. It'd be an intellect. It'd be an intellectual exercise, um, but it can't not work as a story, you know. And I think you see some creators, you know, like say Kieran Gillen, for instance. He's a fantastic world world wrangler, um, world creator. An obsessive researcher and and, and 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 visualizer of his stuff, but his stories are really, really good and i don 't doubt they sit on thousands of pages of research. Um, I think it would be wrong headed for instance for us to try and have cleverly connected characters where if, if this again if it wasn 't working in service of the story so yeah, so story worlds has been percolating a little while um, that was i think one one half of one of your questions
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I think the reason why I asked it is because i mean. As well as the actual creation of the books, uh, which is one thing, uh, it's the networking. It's the, the the fact that you then have to kind of find creators, you have to find um, publishers, um, you have to find printers. You have to. You're basically coming in at it, coming in at it, literally from the ground floor. Um, as yep. much as a, a a fan and someone who knows their way around um, uh, telling a story, it is at the end of the day you are you are building um, a publishing house from literally an empty shell, um, which is a bold thing. And uh, I can understand as well um, that at the beginning of the year, of end of last year, and when you were starting to pull everyone together, um, it was something that you were excited about, and you, you still are, obviously, but then 2020 happened, and that just knocks everyone's house of cards um, sideways. Which begs the question then, why 2020 to continue? Because you've, you've launched it now in the last uh, couple of months, or you've had your big coming out party, as it were. Um, why 2020, why was it not something that you felt could have been maybe held back a little longer, taken into next year, perhaps?
1: I mean, I think, yeah, you know, because we, we've given ourselves the, okay, the, the, um, the way in which I think anyone creates any business nowadays is not to go out and find 20 million dollars investment and hire 200 people and a big factory and make sure everyone's got nice chairs um and like lemon water i mean we work do that and lots of people actually do do that but if you go to their offices they're all nutters and and you, you know what so there it is very possible to start and run a company you know it's it's you know, in in the UK at least, you know, um, it's it's cheap to register a company at company's house. Um, there's the internet, there's Google, there's LinkedIn, there's all these things for finding, um, network and managing projects and doing all this stuff. And thank goodness for the internet, because it meant I found this virtual team, and it's what it is. I don't want to say virtual team because it sounds like I don't really like them, or or I always switch, <laughs> or I sort of switch off their pictures when I'm talking to them. <laughs> I sort of just keep them as robots. <laughs> like sort of you know love droids and it's not the case you know i think the it's yeah the old days in the old days to start a publishing house you'd have probably have to go and hire like 20 people and make sure they've all got ashtrays and stuff and you know and and you don't have to do that these days but likewise we are paying people I mean uh, well i mean the <laughs> i'll be held to account for not we can see the other yeah. people. we're paying people um and we're doing interesting work and so i think it's possible to learn from what you know different companies do startup companies do the best of what startup companies do is start um, as small as they can with the best possible ideas and see if there's any traction there and Um. that's really what we're doing so we're using the 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 downside you know i'm no tai chi practitioner but it's not going to stop me um saying you know i think we take the negative force of 2020 there's no pubs there's no restaurants there's no nothing there's no nice holidays and there's whatever you know there's no conventions there's no but that what there is is a lot of time um, to think and to get product right, and that's what everyone's talked. Everyone I've talked to in my in my small, I've got a, a network of some comics people, but then other people in other parts of the media who are involved in just ideas in general. They say, look, get the product right, get the product right, and then you know, guess what the third one is. So that's really we've been using this time to get that right, um, and and so so that does mean like of anything in life. I think when these things are out, they need to be. Um, there's one, one, one person at the BBC I worked, um, not really alongside cause she was much more senior, but I'm um, called Emma Swain. who's a person who was in charge of all the factual, all the f- documentaries that the American viewers will see on, you know, discovery and PBS and stuff. Um, and she said once that, you know, as, as senior people, you know, your, your responsibility is to keep ideas good as they go through execution. Yeah. Cause you'll all have the meeting, you'll have that great coffee or you'll be drinking together or something like that. And someone will have the idea and it'd be fantastic. And the minute you stop talking about it or you shut the door and the meeting finishes the idea starts to kind of you know get worse because you can't get the right people to work on it or you know you run out of time or you go over budget or something like that you know and so your your task as a creative leader is to make sure that entropy doesn't happen yeah or Mm -hmm. there's as little of it as possible And so that idea that you came out of the meeting with so all our ideas um our four stories you know the sound ideas the very sound ideas they're very talkable to people outside comics too um but you know what we need to do is execute them as high as we can and obviously we'll learn we've got to learn lessons that are, are they going to be as perfect as some other canon in comics of the last 150 years i don't know but um i think they're going to be good and that's because we've just been tireless in the attention we're making we're giving to make them good and sometimes that means a bit of time too so we've got a bit of time that's why we're launching in spring rather than hastening um right now and the final thing is we're not as assu- we're not trying to compete direct with um um you know obviously the big big silly people um but we're not like we're gonna we're assuming the digital um distribution um um so certainly amazon Comicsology is pretty good we're looking at a couple of other ones too and we're going to look outside well we have to be outside we're too small to go t- for diamond but at a time when diamond is also you know facing its own um you know some of its best best customers are also you know making new decisions um there seems to be lots of interesting stuff there and there's a lot of what there are a lot of is interesting conversations with people in comics that I've, I've talked to about um, distribution models again, to get the right ideas, our ideas out to people who don't also to people who don't necessarily go to comic shops enough. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll shout out to mega city comics. I mean, not that they need my shout because they I've got, they've had enough of my money over the year. But, I mean, <laughs> um, but mega city comics in Camden, um, you know, fantastic place. Second only to, I think comic showcase, you know, rest its soul in wherever, Neil street. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think it's a great shop, but lots of people don't know about it and wouldn't go into it. And I want some of these books. This is why our, I'll get into our, you know, our formatting thing. But they're going to be as available as books as much as comics.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's where I maybe made a slight, um, not a disservice, but I, I, I made it a bit more disingenuous at the beginning of my intro. Because I said you were a new UK comics house you're not doing monthly comics, you are releasing graphic novels uh, and uh, you're going for a slightly different model and I think that's uh, interesting, we'll get into that in a second. We'll go back a little bit to the, the networking and like you say, getting the team together and we'll introduce um, two of the, the people you've uh, uh, pulled together. You've got uh, Ramsey joining us, hello uh, Ramsey, how are you doing? Yeah, good thanks. Um, I think we'll start with yourself um, if you could uh, introduce yourself uh, give a little bit of your background and uh, tell us how you first um, heard about Story Wars.
2: Um Well, I'm Ramsey. I'm a comic creator from South London. Been doing it for five years. Um, Been my fir- my second comic was um, nominated for a British Comic Award and uh, won the second prize at the Faber's Fab Awards in two thousand seventeen. Um, I've written for Rebellion, the Tammy and Ginty special that was out this summer. Um, rebooted one of the old seventies characters, really cool. Um, really good feedback as well. And I'm working on a lot of um, projects at the moment that I can't talk about. Annoyingly.
0: Fair enough. Um, and how did you get uh, introduced to Story World? How did uh, they start knocking on your door?
2: Well, uh, a friend of a friend hooked me and Matt up uh, at the bat's up, <laughs> and we met. Uh, we met. We met at a was called um, really posh juice store on the King's Road, and we were just hashing out ideas and really breaking down this uh, this book, and it was really, really, you know, exciting and fun.
0: Okay. Um, And Simon, uh, if you could introduce yourself, um, uh, give us a little bit of your background, and also uh, how you uh, found out about Story Worlds.
3: Yeah, hi. um, I'm Simon. So I'm um, I'm a writer. I've been writing for, for a long time, um, probably about 20 years. Um, lots of lots of things, short stories and um, and uh, movies and TV programmes, all sorts of things like that. Um, and I worked with Max um, at the BBC um, on, that, on that, at the same time that that, that project that he was talking about, that kind of idea of getting broadcast media online. And so we worked together on a, on a few of those sort of history projects that uh, that he mentioned, um, and then um, earlier this year, I I, been kind of kept in touch with Max and he and I saw his email go out about Story Worlds and I thought, well, hang on, that's like that's right up my street. That is, so I dropped him a line, sent him some of my stuff, um, and and we started just sort of talking about some of those ideas that he had, and I know, it was just kind of you know. Coming up with some suggestions and sort of you know pointing him in, a, in you know like a, a different direction perhaps and and that turned into him asking me to to co-write one of the one of the books.
0: Well, I mean we'll we'll get into uh, the books and we'll uh, bring up some artwork as well because um, I think it's uh, only fair that we uh, showcase uh, the the titles uh, you've got coming uh, down the line. Like I say, uh, they're not going to be uh, monthly issues. Uh, it's uh, self-contained books, uh, they're graphic novels uh, out of the gate. Um, so we've got ourselves uh, four titles which are uh, going to be uh, uh, released. And uh, are they all coming out at the same time, Max, or are they getting staggered? What's what's the uh, the, the the release I think, schedule I is? think
1: we will stagger them. Um, okay. And yeah, we're going to stagger them. We're going to start them, you know, um, you know, probably February, March, or so next year, but. Um, you know, because we're new to it, quite honestly, we're not going to, I'm not going to sort of say any one date or time right now. Having said that, having said that things are going roughly in the right direction, you know? So yeah. that's great. Makes um, but, and I think what we want to do is give each of them a proper chance for publicity and doing the rounds a bit and all that. So I think we're, if each one can have, you know, a, a, be, get a release and then have a, then maybe a month and a bit, and then we'll release another month and a bit then another. That's the ideal. Let's see how it works, how all that works out. But actually, that, and it's interesting about, you know, San Diego, because, you know, um, one of the people I'm working with um, to just help make, get the company going in the right direction suggests that, um, you know, San Diego Comic Con might be a good time to have them all in the world or even the last one released for then. Um, and so that's that's always been, you know, SDCC has always been the the sort of just the you know, just the sort of like the first lap, you know. Um, so, yeah.
0: That makes sense. Uh, I mean, certainly is a, a UK publisher. I think um, uh, MCM as well, and uh, that, any, any way to get uh, the word out about these books. I mean, so we've got the, the, the four initial titles. We've got USM, United States of Magic, which we've got up on uh, the screen at the moment. Written by yourself, uh, Art and Colours by uh, Julian Parry, and Letters by Taylor Esposito, who is... Uh, Always uh, great to see uh, him uh, doing uh, some work as well. Uh, we've got ourselves um, the um, Only Hope uh, book one, Fear Farm. Again, written by yourself. Go on. This is the surname I was talking about. This is where I was uh, slightly struggling. Who is doing art and colours on this book, please?
1: Cassinia is doing the art on this. Um, and, um, yeah. Surname? Um Ksenia, uh, where is it? Let me. Um, I don't know her surname off the back of my head.
0: Ah, right. An, okay.
1: It's an, it's an excellent Russian surname.
0: It is an excellent Russian surname. Um, uh, the only way I could possibly go for it is run at it myself, which is Kadyat Savya. S- no, that's. Uh, I've missed. I've missed several letters out there. Yeah, Kadyat.
1: <laughs> I think it's because I, I think it's more Kadyat Saver.
0: There we go. And, uh, again, a, yeah. yeah. And again, letters by um, uh, Taylor. Yeah. Uh, we have ourselves uh, The Sword and the Six Shooter, written by yourself and Simon, art by Antonio Fuso, uh, colors by Stefano uh, Simone, and uh, we have ourselves, last but certainly not least, uh, Fab, uh, written by Ramsey, uh, Stefano Simone on art and colors, and letters uh, by Taylor, again. Um, we'll very quickly talk about Taylor and uh, uh, his contribution uh, during the, the letters for uh, all of the books, and um, Obviously, the letterer is somebody that um, really can also determine the tone yeah. of a book and also the uh, obviously the, the, the range that you're putting out. Uh, if you can just very quickly talk about uh, the importance of uh, Taylor's contribution.
1: Yeah, excellent. Um, I yeah, the books that we are doing are, you know, they are diverse. I think in sort of the audience they're looking for and the sort of tone. You know, one is one is set about 100 years, you know, 150 years ago. One is set, you know, about in 70 years' time. Um, you know, we do near future, near past sort of stuff, and and for a, v- a variety of different sorts of subjects, as you can see. And I think from looking at Taylor's work, and again, it all and again in this sort of how to get going relatively soon this year. You know, creating a network of people I trust to then suggest to me people that I can work with quickly is really, really important. Has been really, really important. And that's you know, I suggest anyone start. I mean, yeah, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to offer any advice in this. <laughs> <laughs> this um pod today because I think we're um you know <laughs> still a bit early on for that um but anyway so when I was when Taylor was um suggested I I thought his work was fantastic and I thought the range was fantastic and I really think that lettering um it's like sound design in movies you know um sound design I mean you know or, or it has to be right the basics have to be right you have to know who's speaking when um the foley has to be right um, you know, and, and I remember one of my favorite, you know, and sound effects, again, you know, so 2000 AD, um, obviously, obviously a huge influence on me, you know, I, if anyone remembers the sort of, you know, the sort of Think Angel story, where he's crawling around the sewers, and Think Angel's this guy who was sort of, you know, a skeletal figure with a pet mutant rat, um, but the rat that accompanies him and poison bites people, um, always makes this little claw scratching noise called scrit scrit scrit. And Scrit, Scrit, Scrit is one of the best pieces of comics foley, and it's lettered really well by Tom Frame back in 2008 AD, and it's just perfect. And so, if our action points, which I'm quite a believer in action that goes, I mean, Ramsey can talk about his book, because I think, you know, <laughs> anything's going to happen in that one. But I think the <laughs> lots of the, some of the other books, I think, where I've done a bit more of my, I think one of my, I like stories that kind of a bit like music, you know, goes a bit slow, then fast, and slow, then fast. Um, and I think lettering should, do the basic job very well to let you know where you are and who who to care about and then when things go off it really really should and i think taylor's work i'm not gonna you know i haven't talked to him about any of this stuff i mean he'll he'll get it when he'll get it anyway when he sees the script. Yeah. but um things need to be you know need to get you in there and then it's like at the end of taxi drive i mean taxi drive is not a not a gentle movie but certainly the end comes out of nowhere and that's why i think lettering and sound effects need to do um and i think taylor's got that I think he's got a human quality to his work, work too. It's not just all like you know, giant, giant galaxy-eating monsters. Sort of, you know, it's not their irritable bowel syndromes from galaxy-eating <laughs> sort of, pan-dimensional beings, which would be an interesting sort of. Lettering that's, job. that's for yeah. That's for phase two. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that, yeah. That's, that's the next book. That's, that's July.
1: That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, so, um, no, so t- I think Taylor, I think Taylor's going to do a great job, and I just think it's you know, again, if you remember, Bill, Schenke, uh, Bill um. His shadow, you know, that Kyle Kyle Baker kicked when the shadow revival started, you know, years and years ago. And Kyle Baker did a couple. Um, But again, you know, Sinkiewicz's art is perfectly complemented by all the ha ha, all the shadows' laughter and all that sort of stuff. So
0: um,
1: that sort of, you know, when it happens, it happens. That's my beyond lettering. Fair
0: enough. We'll go through the books one by one, uh, and we'll get kind of like the elevator pitch. I'm going to let Simon uh, jump in as well with a little bit of a, a description on uh, this one. We'll start with uh, the, uh, the the book that you're doing together uh, as a partnership in on writing, uh, the Sword and the Six Shooter, uh, Book One, Fear Farm. Uh, very quickly for all four of the books, what's the uh, the size? How many pages are we looking at?
1: Um, this. um this book is, uh, they're roughly 50 to 60 pages.
0: Okay. So 50, 60 pages, I'm guessing that's for all of the, the books. Although it's, it's not a set. Yeah, Only only Hope is 48. Um, um,
1: the six Shooter is, I think, 58. Okay. And so forth,
0: cool. yeah. Right. Um, so, Sword and the Six Shooter, it's a very um, dramatic uh, opening cover, is that. And we've got, uh, uh, I think we've got uh, some other uh, pages as well. Certainly I've got... Uh, Um, A page here, the the uh, the possible graphic design of the front cover, as uh, put together by Michael Ree, and uh, yeah, that's uh, the one that you went for, Um, Simon. um, If you could tell us, the Sword and the Six Shooter, what is the story about, sir? So, the Sword and the
3: Six Shooter is this. um, I think it's just a sort of an astonishing tale, really. Of it's set in in um, frontier America. and it's um, and our main character though is a is a is a samurai, a Japanese samurai, um, who's um, who's a kind of we discover over the, over the course of the book um, has this quite sort of horrific backstory where he's been part of the revolutionary Japanese uh, Boshin War um, and um, and for various reasons that we discover over the course of the story has had to leave japan and has found himself in in texas um where he becomes a texas ranger um and is given a kind of mission uh to to hunt down um someone who's been terrorizing uh the the farmlands in um in in texas and so that's where we join him um but 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 Ito is not is not a um, is not a happy man, um, and he's and he brings his literal demons with him wherever he goes, um, and so that's the story we're following. We're st- we're following Ito on this quest for redemption, um, for to to find kind of salvation for it from his past, but also to to hunt down this 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 person who's been who's been ripping apart the the, the farms um in, in Texas. So it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty extraordinary story. Um and um yeah I'm um, one that I think is gonna is people are gonna really
0: enjoy. Cool. Um I've actually got the wrong text up on the screen at the moment. it is book one, the the Demon Frontier. Um this i mean i i'm seeing a number of uh, touchstones uh in this certainly in, in other media as well um but uh i'm seeing um a whole bunch of uh, uh really exciting um influences uh, i mean max if you can talk about um uh, the kind of touchstones that uh, went into uh, the sword and the six shooter
1: yeah i mean <clears throat> yeah totally i mean and it is in in the you know the launch portfolio it's it's the most solidly understandable genre book to comics fans to, you know, action movie fans. I think when you see it, I think other people would love the other stuff cause it's great and original, but this is like, you, you see it and you get it. Um, and I think, um, well, you know, where do we start? I mean, we've got to, I think, start with Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, and that's, you know, the, and it's, and it's very difficult doing something that is so, so grounded in, um, well, I think we've taken the genre we've moved the genre on, you know, the genres of Western and, um, Western and um samurai movies, um, both of which you know learned a lot from each other, um anyway. So there's always been that kind of cross-play between them. I think a couple of the I say I think so you've got Lone Wolf and Cub, and that's where we nod that the hero is called um Ito, um Kojiro, um, as opposed to you know Lone Wolf and Cub's hero is also called Ito. Um I think I I really like the sort of like the in you know, the in-depth um research from um you know i think you know garth ennis I, mean, I think garth ennis is fantastic um and i think the um i think the use of you know the way he looks at um texas and and oddity the strange the strangeness of texas now we're talking about 1870s texas before it was actually wholly formed and all the rest of it um, it's the last of the bit of a, last of america to become um t- tamed as such um i think and because of that i think cormac mccarthy's blood meridian is a big influence um, we didn't, the book isn't as bloody as that. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> it's, got, it's got to be available on the Apple. I don't think you could do a comic of Blood Meridian. I mean, they, they've they struggled to do a film. You couldn't do a comic. Um, so I think Blood Meridian's been, I think Blood Meridian. And also I think if you look at some of those other movies, the Cohen movies, No Country for Old Men and so forth. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, art wise, I can't, I'm not going to speak for Antonio and Stefano um, and the art, but I think we want to, as a British comics publisher, it's not just about doing British stuff. I mean, I love British, I love stuff that's firmly based in Britain. I think some of the hellblazers where, you know, Constantine's in in proper old fashioned pubs and all the rest of it are fantastic. Um, You know, but I think, you know, Britain at best looks out to the world um, and brings other influences in. So I think if we're writing with, you know, we've got Italian artists, um doing a uh you know a samurai western i think something interesting is going to happen there and (laughs) i've got you know i've got my own biases about what i think could happen i'm i'm i respect the artist enough to say you know you guys get on with it you know that sort of thing
0: i mean i think that's what the thing that kind of interests me and i'm I'm going to ask the question of ramsey in a second um when it comes to the the fact that um you're, uh, usually when uh, you hear the term uh, UK publisher, it is something about UK stories, it's touching on UK culture, um, and it's embracing those um, um, diverse stories that we have in this country. Um, but it's the fact that you've gone a slightly different route and you're, you are looking international, you are looking for a, a world worldview um, when it comes to the stories. Is that the case then with uh, with uh, Fab then um, Ramsey? Um, if you can talk to us about uh, this book, is it Fab or is it FAP? It's Fab, but it's Fab. To, yeah, I mean, do you
2: want me to talk about like how it fits within like internet, whether it's. With a like a British sensibility or an American sensibility? Absolutely. Well,
0: tell, I mean, we'll, we'll go in with the actual um, the, the story picture of uh, of Fab. Tell us about the story and yeah, go into that as you can if you can.
2: Um, well, it's a new. Well, basically, the story is a new three D printing technology that allows people to print whatever they want, including clones of themselves, um, leaks on the black market, and an ex soldier called Marcia Clay gets recruited to a secret um, government task force where she, they have to track down um, all the fab machines and find the source. So, yeah. And if I have to do like an elevator pitch, I'll be like, it's like BBC's line of duty, gone Philip K. Dick.
0: (laughs) That's fair (laughs) enough, okay. Um, So you're saying about um, the worldview that you've uh, uh, infused into this this book and, also, as a as a British creator, so yeah, what was what's your take on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, I was talking about this um, with Max as well. Like, thing that I found really interesting about um, British science fiction in comparison to American science fiction. A lot of American science fiction early on, traditionally, was very um, pro-science, optimistic. They had like scientist heroes in the pulps. That continues on to Marvel, with you know the main the main characters in Marvel are scientists. Um, whereas Britain, you know, we had Frankenstein, War of the Worlds, 1984. We had a much more um, critical, I would say, I wouldn't say cynical, more critical look on science fiction because we mixed science with um, human nature, which is flawed, you know. And um, why thought Fab should be is somewhere in between those two extremes where you're, with the exhilaration of of, of technology and all the amazing things and far out things it could be whilst also keeping your foot in any potential problems it's almost like this ancient like greek idea of like what it was like pandora's box where it's sort of like unchecked curiosity um, can be dangerous but there's hope at the end of it hope remains basically and that's what the book is kind of about
0: and um what's your thoughts on what you've seen so far from uh, Stefano? Um what are the the pages looking like for yourself? It's
2: it's really dynamic, colourful stuff, which was basically one of the um things aesthetic touches we had to hit. Like we didn't want to make a grim and gritty dystopia. We wanted to make a really colourful, um like near near future type dystopia where it's almost like Brave New World where it's sort of like it's beautiful and exciting, but there's like a rot underneath it.
0: Cool. Um, I, I think when I've spoken to you or when I've um, heard interviews with yourself, um, I know that one thing that you found very frustrating is that only um, British comments or the, the perception of British and British creators is that there's, it gets to Watchmen. It gets to uh, like like the the, the British invasion of the the 80s, and then it just kind of seems to uh, stop. Uh, It it doesn't seem to be um, the next um, evolution, certainly for British creators. Do you feel that um, Story Worlds is somewhere that um, British creators can be the next thing, and for 2020 be a a, a stepping stone to create uh, the next wave of uh, British creators? Totally.
2: I mean, like, I think I was, like, radicalised by... I went to the um, British Museum that had the Comics on Masks, um exhibition about how, like, British comics are traditionally really subversive and um, and have, like, if you look at the Beano in, like, early 2000 AD, it was, like, really, like, out there, like, um, misfit stuff that was really exciting and had a real anarchic energy to it. And then me as a new comic creator looking at what was being put out at shows, I saw a very middle class what I call sort of slice of life cafe Nero anecdote type comics where I was like, "What happened to all like the crazy genre stuff we used to do you know and it's almost like we've kind of the comics comic industry has kind of replicated the film industry whereas like all the talent of ours as American does American work which is great like no shade on them like I'd probably do the same but I think um the cool thing about story worlds is that it takes a British sensibility um and then an out and an outlook into like the real world it's not like we're not making you know Cotney British comics, <laughs> we, we, try to, we, try to tell, we we try to tell global stories, you know, we're not, like, we're not sitting there going British comics for British people, it's so like, it's really trying to make some really international stories with our point of view to it, um, which tends to be a lot more nuanced, like if you look at like Peter Milligan or Alan Moore or uh, Grant Morrison, they took all that American stuff. And skewed it and put in stuff like Alistair Crowley and gave it a real critical look. And I think um, more of that
1: would be great. And I think, uh, oh. totally and I, and I think and I think you know the other writers you know I throw in so you know Ennis and uh, Mark Millar too are so like whip sharp in the storytelling you know that that is such a and that's such a universal quality. I think if you read some of the the really compact works that Millar would do, for instance. Or, you know, one of my favourite things is, you know, is en- Ennis's, you know In the Beginning, you know, the Punisher reboot. I mean, there is nothing tighter there. And the and the art also, you know, the L- Luis La Rosa art is so... such a fantastic fusion of story and art in service to story. Um, and are, is it a comic? Yes, it's a comic, but th- that is a story, in my mind, that is... I mean, all right, <laughs> in the beginning, is pretty full on. But um, I do believe that some of those stories or... Um, the Miller story, the recent one, the um, what's it called? The fellow, the genius. What's that? What was that about? Um, anyway, he wrote a
2: prodigy.
1: Prodigy, yeah, yeah, prodigy. Yeah. You know, that is a story which many would like, and if you can only buy it in a comic shop, it should be available elsewhere. Now, it'll be available elsewhere in trade paperback, but this is our mission: is to tell these sorts of stories that are a little more universal, um, outwards. And I think what Ramsey's saying there totally is that this subversion. Um, those, those, the great thing about the early, some of the earlier British works. Um, was the subversion of it all. And I think our works are, you know, Sword and the Six Shooter also speaks to why America, you know, America's bloody beginnings, for instance, Um, and a few other things. Um, These aren't overtly political, but I think I, I really want, you know, but, you know, comics are a great vector in. They're a subversive media. They're readily understood. Media like punk rock is, and I think if we can educate, you know, the time in the world where, you know, I think people need to kind of be questioning things as much as ever. Comics are a fantastic way to do that. Um, and it's
2: like really I like even looking at like the the books that are coming out from story worlds you 've got like really topical um, subject matter you've got we, we're dealing with colonialism we 're dealing with technology and like tech elites and stuff like that is really pressing stuff we 're not doing slugs from Mars again
1: <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what I mean it's
2: like re- we are tackling really big topics. Um, and doing it in a really accessible way that is super exciting and I can't wait for the readers to check it out.
0: Brilliant. Um, so we've introduced two books um, and I'm going to bring uh, the third and fourth in. I think um, the one thing that I am going to have to bring up is the fact that Max, you have written uh, two of them and you've co-written the third. Um, a Uh, don't take this the wrong way but the uh, the uh, an accusation that could be leveled at is that this could be a little bit of a vanity project Um, it's something that you've obviously putting a lot of time and money and effort into um, but they are out of the three books uh, out of the four books you're doing two and you're um, co-writing the third what's what would your uh, response to that be and um, yeah
1: yeah yeah fair enough I mean you know if they're any good, then it won't matter. <laughs> that's, that's a
0: very good point.
1: <laughs> you know, I think, and they are good. So, you know, it's a question of us executing well. But sure. I totally hear you. And I think, and again, most businesses, and, you know, this will need to be a business at some point, you know, that's going to return, um, I think, are started up by as small a team as possible. Um, and what I'm doing is onboarding talented writers as quickly as possible. So I think I need to have enough of a control over the initial development slate which is this, Which are these four titles we're sending out, because they need to feel story-worldly. And quite honestly, um, I think if, I, if I'd found four random writers, they wouldn't have written stuff that kind of feels like it belongs in the same stable of, 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 of stories um, okay. off, off the bat. Certainly not so quickly. So I think, yes, um, I have sort of like ushered these things in, um, but I've already got my mind on who's going to be writing all four versions of the new books. You know, and you know what, not all, not all the books might get a, a book too. All of them could run through book one through twenty. I mean, there's these are expansive, interesting characters and worlds and stuff which each one of them inhabit. And you know, I've got my I've got a sense of who should be writing who can be writing all these things. And you know what? It, it won't they won't all be me. <laughs> but I'll probably pop a couple of others ones out. I'd imagine because I like it. Um, but I think that yeah, yeah. So we'll see. So I think um I think that I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to be decent. Um, but I think that's also part of assembling this sort of virtual team, you know, where, you know, people can kind of, we've got Ramsey doing this one. Simon's helped me on the next one. Um, Simon and I are actually in discussion right now about another one, which he'll just kick off himself, basically. Um, so yeah.
2: Fair enough. I mean, I mean, I mean, nobody said this to Stan Lee. Like he wrote most of the early Marvel books all by himself, basically. So, so like it's all it, like, there's a big tradition of that. And Pat Mills as well, right? He wrote a lot of 2018 stuff. So I, I don't necessarily see it as a vanity project. It's like when, you, when you're when you starting a company, like it's going in there and like setting, setting the bar and how it's supposed to be, like a showrunner, basically. And like, yeah, even like talking about it as TV, like looking at the differences between America and England, whereas like, In England, the showrunner would write the whole thing, whereas in America, they'll set out teams to do this. And I kind of feel like what Max is doing is a mashup between the British showrunning aspect of it and also the tradition of like brand new comic companies, like when Marvel dropped and when 2000 AD dropped. It's like these visionary um, voices that have set set the bar and you know, future creators come come in and add their
0: voice to it. But I think I think there's also the element as well that um, you are um, setting your stall out. Um, it's a case of I mean, like you say, Max, if you did bring together a, a number of disparate voices, it would it, it could also feel, especially if it's new talent as well, that it could be a case of um, the whole thing is relying very much on untried uh, talent. At least because this, is, this you're kind of it's on your shoulders. There's a, a sense of bullishness, foolish, a bit of tipping of the shoulder. You're you're setting the store.
1: You've got to. I think you've got to start somewhere, um, sure. and, and and I think one has to start um, in a direction with a with a, a position or a brand or a recognisable thing. Um, I'm starting. I'm very interested in what some of the other press. You know, these newer, um, you know, better funded and whatever. You know, presses like you know TKO. You look at TKO or AWA people like that coming up, you know, some of them have more of a sort of a voice, um, a bound in voice. <clears throat> Others, a bit more sort of diffuse portfolio approach. I think both those things are, are valuable. But my view is if you're competing in a crowded space of all these comi- all the comics publishers there are um, and and against some absolute monoliths who, who, engage, who hold most of the attention, um, you've got to be one thing and not lots of other things. So I think that's, again, another reason for um having the degree of consistency and control at the beginning um and it's consistency and control as a business founder really to make sure and to to take the risk out because i've um there's some great you know i've got you know ramsey simon a couple other people i've got i'm talking to about being writers and all this kind of stuff but it, i haven't had the time to have conversations i think if, i think if everyone's writing stuff off the bat as we say it um things might be a bit less consistent um but yeah you know
0: no, 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 I'll say it's
2: funny because I kind of feel like Max broke the mould. Like when I did small press, it was usually friends working with friends and I came completely as a comic reader but working in film myself and then me coming into something and be like, I want to make a comic. Um, let, you know, walking into the amazing <laughs> Gosh um, store in London and looking at the small press and, and looking, finding three artists, calling them up and be like, What's your page rate? And they're like, what?
0: <laughs> and it's like
2: getting them to having a really um, professional um, look to um, a book. And my second ever, like, I released two books in one in my first year of making comics. And the, the second one was nominated for a British Comic Award. Do you know what I mean? It's like people are stuck in these rigid ways of doing things. And I think you kind of have to make a big bold move if you want to change stuff and i think um british comics have been pretty stagnant for a very long while and max has really thrown a firecracker in and it's going to be really interesting
0: cool well let's talk about the other two books then um we've got uh, up on screen uh, only hope a uh, book on fear farm uh, written by itself art uh, by christina and uh, letters by Taylor esposito um max tell us about only hope
1: Only Hope is a story about um, a young woman and some of her friends um, who, struggling for work, um, they're sort of mid-20s or so, struggling for work, Um, they take a job, which seems like a dream job, um, in in a large technology company, um, which, much like many that exist, other other technology companies are available. And (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm not doing that thing. I'm not putting the green giant on the front of anything or anything like that, obviously. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of trying not to get sued, in the first <laughs> four in the first four books
0: Probably um,
1: yeah, yeah yeah let's we'll, we'll, we'll see, see how that goes um, but anyway she starts she joins she joins this technology company and things go prog- get progressively um weirder and scarier and let's leave it at that um it is a um what's it, the influences here would be oh um i think um i think Kasina's work is very interesting i think is a russian artist um i think um is really, in, in, really um, enjoyed drawing the kind of brought a great view of a kind of young person's drawing of young people to it. You know, um, I think it's really important that these these young people. I was very influenced by Pat Mills's thinking on um, you know, his work he did in the, in the in the his comics and when he and Wagner were doing Misty, for instance. You know, um, telling stories about friends together in difficult circumstances. Um, and I've you know one of these things was written with some family friends in mind um, who are sort of like young adults and. Again, this is a sort of book where I'll be looking for the next book will be written by somebody who is um, more like this audience. Although, you know, I've had this edited and looked at by some of these people in this audience just to make sure I'm not being total gammon about everything. But I think, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's ultimately, I mean, a nod to the wonderful Jordan Peele. Um, and if he's, he's, if he's developed or somebody gave him the credit to develop, you know, social horror with... Um, you know, films like Get Out, this would be sort of workplace horror. We I, I think workplace horror is a sort of unmined place given the inherent horror of most workplaces. Um so yeah. If if someone could say, yeah, that workplace horror label um Max made up is actually fits here, then you're then good.
0: Fair enough. I mean, we've got some, some pages up on. Oh, I've been putting some pages up on the uh, screen. Uh, these are unfinished, obviously, uh, but um, what Cena's doing is just uh, incredible uh, in terms of the way that the page is laid out and the the, the artwork that's uh, is getting um, put forward. Um, where on earth did
1: you find her? Again, it's um, thank God. I mean, I'm I'm fairly. Um I get busy. I, my great auntie said I was a busy child, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's probably a medical condition for that now, isn't there, though? Uh, I'm neurologically diverse, that's for sure. And I think um, just just a lot of time looking quickly at the Internet with, with coffee. And... Um, and, and using internet like any any sort of approach to you know business approach or journalistic approach to to finding solution to a problem just amassing a massive list of people off of, of people then going through them setting some criteria and going through them and marking up as my, as my list of uh, initial stories came out you know um then you get this list of talented people who can work on them and that's how you know i was introduced to ramsey for instance you know by some other comics people who are in the states you know so and then actually under talking to ramsey his sensibility is uniquely about fab. And I think you'll get that. I think we, we enjoy talking about that sort of like that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Cassinia. So she, she has an excellent portfolio website on the, on the web. Um, so yeah. And she's, and she's great. And um, yeah. And I think really, and I think, you know, this is not superheroes. There's no insane foreshortening. There's no, there's no nothing. Cause it doesn't need to be, but this is, this is a story where things get worse and worse for the hero. And, and she needs to sort it out.
0: Fair enough. Um, I mean, like I said, the artwork looks amazing and, um, yeah, definitely sold on that. Um, And then, last but not least, uh, we have ourselves uh, USM United States of Magic, which is uh, um, an intriguing title uh, straight off the bat. Um, Book One, Grand Theft Global, uh, with art colours by Julian Parry, letters by Telly Esposito. Tell us about USM.
1: So United States of Magic follows a young analyst, Um, called Dana Dryden. She's a sort of analyst at the Defense Intelligence Agency. Um, And she's looking for, you know, looking to do the right sort of work. And she gets sent to Iraq um, in around 2010. So post-invasion. And um, she discovers that, you know, the war was not the war they thought they were fighting. She discovers that the the bad people are not the bad people they thought they were fighting. And she discovers a, a way she might be able to kind of work around that um this book is ultimately a book about modern history um you know it's about kind of why countries fight each other um it's about what people do when that happens it's a sort of jason Bourne times um you know times harry potter um i think you might say you know is it well i was watching the old guard on netflix the other day and sometimes when you're doing these sorts of new stories you know if you are a creative if you're a writer um or if you're working with others doing that same stuff um you sort of watch the telly and you think uh uh, you, know, you enjoy the first few minutes, but then suddenly something happens in one of these programs. You think, by goodness, that isn't no good." Thank you. Thank goodness, that's not our story. Good. We we can carry on with this. Um, <laughs> but the old guard is, um, you know, are there timeless truths to things? Um, yes, there are. So the old guard is, is a. You know, if, if you like the old guard, you'll like United States of Magic. But I think we take it a bit further. I think we take it elsewhere. Um, and Julian's art, as as some of the yeah, some of the viewers can see. So Julian's not here, can't be here today because he has some um, stuff he's got to deal with. Um, but he is, I've known Julian um, quite a long time. Actually, Julian, big shout. Um, thank you, my friend, for um, just working with me while we figure this stuff out. So over the last several years, introduced by a mutual friend, Julian and I have been working on our own sort of projects, you know, um, early versions of some of these stories or other stuff or just artwork. And it's just been a nice thing to get up to, you know, meet together in pubs and stuff. Um, but this is... This is the this is the real deal now. And I think as you can see from the artwork, um Julian's um, background is a, as a storyboarder for movies and advertising and stuff. He's often wanted to do comics. Here you can see just the black and white art from the cover. Um I think he's drawing in the sort of linear claire um tradition, the clear line tradition of European comics. Um this is not necessarily tinting with um, you know, with with you know machine guns, but it's um
2: <laughs>
1: this is um yeah, which I <laughs> mean yeah. I'll I'll leave that. Um, I think this is, what is it? I I think there is, again, part of being a British publisher um, is taking advantage of, you know, the best of what Britain does is look across the world. It has lots of people living here, has contacts with lots of different people and it should look to Europe, it should look to Japan, look to America and the best of all these different comics cultures, you know? Um, and I think that's what Julian's, uh, we've often been interested in that and in, in his work. And so this one's the one we've really, because the story is quite international. I mean, she'll, our, our hero will be in Iraq. She'll be in, in places in Europe. She'll be in different places. Um, I think you'll get that sense um, from this. I think one of the um, one of the other panels you showed was her at, a, at an arms fair somewhere in London. Um, they're, they're, yeah, there's a few different sort of locations as, as they jet around doing stuff.
0: Fair enough um tintin slash harry potter with machine guns is not the worst pitch in the world by the way (laughs) (laughs) just to to say um i I mean again uh, it looks uh, incredible i mean it's a very striking art style um out the gate um and it's looking like um that's what you're trying to do with all of the books um going forward it's not your straightforward um, uh, comics house. It's not your straightforward art style, and I suspect it's not going to be your straightforward um, stories either. It's going to be something challenging. It's going to be something um, intriguing, and I, I've, I have no problem with that. Um, I'm also really curious, and it's this is where um, it's good to have Simon and Ramsey here as well, um, to ask the question um, about um, ownership. Is this a creator-owned... um Uh, publishing house in where the the people who are involved the creative teams have ownership over the uh, the stories or um, what's what's your model going forward is it the image comics model what what where would you how would you describe it
1: so i mean um as we say so some will and some won't um um depending on the um yeah so you know the if if each comics story um is an uh, is an intellectual property article uh, artifact um you know Ultimately, depend, different people will have different inputs into that intellectual property, into the idea, into the the executable idea, you know, the the look of the heroes or the premise of the whole thing. Um, and so sometimes it will, and so the answer is, sometimes it will and sometimes it won't. And when it will, it'll be part ownership in that IP, which if it's, you know, whatever happens with it. Um, and um, if not, then we'll pay a steady work for hire rate.
0: Fair enough. Basically. I think the reason why I, I asked the question is because when you say Story World's media, it does sound very forward-thinking. It sounds like of uh, taking these stories beyond the comic page, um, the, the possibility of expanding into uh, – uh, uh, develop them into uh, other media. Um, is that something that's on the cards, or are you focusing right
1: now on the books? It's on the tarot cards, but I'm too scared to ever do tarot <laughs> cards. I'm too much of a chicken. I'm a big – I'm a big superstitious chicken, so I'm not gonna be I don't know. Tell me what card it's on, not
0: that the- touch wood. There we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. Totally,
1: yeah, totally. Um, no, I mean, first of all, I mean what so what I'm doing is um first of all, it's stories, story, story, story. Um it's got to be that. And they've got to be as good as they can be. And and, and you're very kind, and thanks for your words about the artwork. I mean, we're I think the the writing um, is as good as I I'm confident it's as good as it can be. And the art I'm trying to make as good as it can be. and also try and push it in some different ways, I think. Um, and I think you'll see Six Shooter is going to really sort of the art will be the essence of the story. And I think Fab, uh, I think, you know, Ramsey and um, Stefano are going to make something truly fab and, you know, forgive the things there. It's the, 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 the vision, the design of an object can only speak to the total essence of the idea of that object. And if, and if each piece of artwork is totally honest rather than trying to be something else, um, I mean like you know, I love you know who do I love? Brian Bolland, for instance, who doesn't? Um but you know, you know what? He's a bit he's <laughs> it's busy. No, no, no. Um he's um I think these are I think these I think getting us started um with these young with this um people who are somewhat are more established than others, and if other people are less established, then that's great. Um so that's the first thing. Um and, and down the way, who knows? Um I think, but yes, absolutely called media because um, if if things do scale, then we need to be in a position to scale. Sure. Um, but the stories need to be right first, and so and, and that's very much I think about lessons learned from my previous life. You know, working on looking at big things at the BBC, working on smaller things at my previous company, reading a lot about I me. Mean, I was a big Walking Dead fan. I mean, comics and TV wise, followed it all till everyone else sort of fell off. The, you know, um, and you know, and and what happened with them? The slight kind of chaos that happened with all their contracts at the beginning of that, and and really nasty. You know. Life's too short to have all that stuff if, if it just needs to, if it can be figured out early on. So, I think we're quite honest with people up front about everyone's terms of engagement. And if the company and and but to the bigger question, yeah, if the company, if people get interested, then great. But that's only going to happen if the stories are great.
0: Fair enough. And you've got the four um, books lined up for spring 21. Um, what? How? I mean, you 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 talked already about the possibility of moving forward. How far are you planning into? the next wave of books
1: i'm um, and so that is, yeah i mean where i am the ones that are in progress right now um that is that's occupying about 60% of my mind at least or 70% of my mind at least and the other 30% of my mind is starting to think planning um at least synopses or treatments for sequels to all these um in addition to maybe a couple of um two or three other things um that could be released alongside or instead of
0: fair enough but it's uh, yeah, but we, planning we, rather planning
1: rather than committing to launching all these things again so that yeah yeah
0: yeah um i think um people who are watching this certainly the creators that um will be interested in uh, uh put submitting stuff for uh story i mean we've got the actual website up on the screen at the moment and there is the tab there for submissions um it says there you're currently closed for submissions, uh, but you are uh, releasing details. What's going to be the, um, the the plan moving forward to uh, bring in new voices, bring in new talent? Um, uh, is it a case of setting the stall out first, let's get this stall set up first, and then bringing in new voices?
1: I think um, we're going to, OK, so in the new year, we'll put up the new submissions um, policy. And I think that's going to be a combination of um, getting in touch for a chat about any ideas that you've got. I'm going to need. I need. I'm figuring out right now what we do about this, that spectrum. This is,
0: this is where comic cons came in handy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <you> know, <laughs> what?
1: It, it kills me. It kills me. I mean, the last one, Julian, Julian, and I went to um, the NCM last year. Um, you know, I mean, I was just sort of like looking around, you know, just checking it out. I think the the bigger, one, I think the bigger US ones, with artist alleys, for instance, would be useful. Um, what I need to do though is have a clear written thing that says. Look, you know, if you're a person with ideas, um, then we want these sorts of ideas within this framework, i.e. nothing too future. We don't want anything set in fantasy worlds where people wear furs um, and or whatever. Yeah. I mean, furs, you know, if they're rich, if they're rich, modern assassins working for some Central Asian republic, then maybe. But that's a different sort of fur than possibly lots of people are thinking about out there. (laughs) Rabbit skins. Um, So, you know. I think, um, you know, if, so there's that whole spectrum, isn't there, from like, you know, creator owned IP that people want to bring to you to say, hey, publish my story to people who want to work on a thing. And, and I'm working on what the, what the policy is there, basically. I mean, it'll be a lot easier for me to say, hey, well, let's see what we've done. And if you're, you think the same way, then get in touch. But I also think we need to be quite clear with people so it's not to waste anyone's time.
0: bit better um fair enough uh, i think uh, the other last thing we'll kind of uh, wrap up on is and i'm certain simon and ramsey are excited about seeing their books published and seeing on the shelves um it's a case of um obviously a very strange landscape that we're seeing publishing it at at the moment though do you see digital being the main format going forward or is it a case of you would like to see as many of these on shelves in comic book stores as you can
1: is, is, is that for me or the other guys?
0: I think um, for all three of you, really. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, certainly from a publishing standpoint, uh, uh, I think it's for Max, but uh, yeah. uh, but um, obviously uh, for uh, Simon and Ramsey, the excitement of getting these out onto
1: shelves. Yeah, you guys go first. I mean,
2: Kickstarter comics is a trend, right? Um, Scott Snyder's doing one. So many creators are doing ones at the moment. It's just... Especially with the lockdown now, it's, it's not a thing now. You can't really see it on the shelf. But we don't know how the climate's going to be come the spring. So hopefully things will be moderately cool. But um, I'm 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 cool with whatever. Like if it's if it's a digital comic, if it's um, physical on the shelf, it's all good to me.
0: You yeah, have somebody that looks to the future, sir.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel a lot of things have changed. Like um, you was you was asking about like um, story of worlds media, as in like, oh, um, stories that evolved beyond the comics into into films. This is the world we're living in now. Like it's peak TV. There's you know Hilda. is a it's a show now. Bone is on Netflix now. And back in the twentieth century, we had to wait for you know teenage there was one teenage mutant ninja turtles (laughs) and one this but now it's like the the wild west and (laughs) i feel like i feel like you can make a cartoon you can make a comic on webtoons and be picked up so it's all like you kind of have to figure this stuff out like it's the it's it's where we are now and it's like there's there's this there's almost this sort of um enemy rock sort of thing of like oh you're gonna make a movie now or what's that about is it a bit you know it seems a bit selling out but that's what it is that's i mean like um like um i think grant Grant morrison released in his book super gods he talked about the idea of like have have um comics kind of become redundant in the sense that there were this the superhero was this meme that lived in campfire stories and then in mythology and then went into comic books and then seeing captain america on screen it's like has he has he moved to a brand new home it's like this is the kind of things you have to think about you know if you want to if you want to make comics and i feel that's the world we live in For for good or bad for good or
0: bad indeed um Simon, um, obviously, you, uh, you want to see um, the book up on, on, in the comic book shops, or do you see um, the books going to um, it's like Waterstones? Is, it's, uh, oh, I mean, this is both to, to Max as well. Uh, is this more of a, a Waterstones kind of um, operation, or is it uh, because you're not doing monthly floppies, is it more of a, uh, is it true to uh, the comics landscape?
3: Well, you know what? I'd I just like I, I'm really just keen to see it out there. But <laughs> but I think the the thing that you know Max said about that, you know, getting to a, as big an audience as possible. So, you know, I I was telling my um I, I, I told my all my family on our on our like family WhatsApp group about about this, and they were, everyone was so excited about it. My father-in-law said like, when are you going to send me a copy? Like, if you if you got, can you send me a copy of it? Of course, you know, I like, had to explain to her it wasn't quite ready yet, but it's that thing though, of, like, I, my father-in-law I don't think has ever expressed an interest in reading a comic, but you know, like, he's, he's into it now. Like, I told him what the story was about, he was, he's really excited about it, so, you know, like, wherever he can get it, like, that's where, that's where I want it to be, so and if that's a link, or if if that's on Waterstones, then, you know, whatever. Fair
0: enough, I'm, fair I enough. Like
3: the whole, and the whole, like, comic store,
2: book store thing is, like, really like weird and redundant now in the sense like there's so many like so many young people or even girls who go who feel more comfortable going into a bookstore than going to some comic stores. I mean some comic stores are designed look like boys' bedrooms with like vampirella with their bats out and you're like going like what the hell is this? This is not a safe space for me. Do you know what I mean? A lot of a lot of um bad black books type um, comic dudes that are a bit, oh, are you, um, are you picking up um, Sandman then? You know, what I mean, that kind of thing. And I feel like I love comic book shops, but I can, I can, t- I'm just putting forward the idea that not everybody can feel comfortable with them. And Some people, and you look at stuff like Squirrel Girl that sells huge in scholastic book fairs and and Waterstones, and I feel like you need to diversify any point where people can get your stuff.
0: And Fair enough. yeah, so that's where, yeah. that makes sense. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, we're at um, an hour 10, <laughs> which is a little bit longer than we uh, possibly said that we were going to keep you. And we don't, we don't want to uh, bite too much into your weekend, um, even though in about three, four days we're going to go all back into <laughs> the, long, the longest weekend going. Um, but uh, we'll let you get off and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, we'll just wrap up with um, uh, just one last overview of the uh, the books again. And also, Max, if you can just remind us, um, do you have a, a price point that you have uh, for these books as well? Um, how much you're uh, planning on uh, putting these books up, uh, out there?
1: I mean, we're we're working on it. Um, I mean, it's, you know, we're taking cues from um, basically whatever, you know, if, if things going to be, we're, again, it's part of the distribution. I think the digital one, so we're going to go digital first, but I think they're going to be, they're going to probably be cheaper than the um, printed ones, um, which will need to look at the right printing technology to do that. We'll have some more expensive, larger print special formats for a few stores, too. I think we're going to be looking at uh, cherry picking a few stores to work with rather than trying to get them into all 1,500 American you know, comic stores. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a whole v- a variety. But I think if you buy it digital, it'll be cheaper. I want to help drive digital comics. Um, I think I think it's a good thing, I think. But we can't ignore. People want the, the heritage of these things. is a tactile something in your hand, and it's got that's got to be nice, and, and it's got to be affordable. So yeah. we'll take our cues from prestige. We're not going to be doing foil covers and, and a silly pricing to start with for sure. Um, but take our cues from that sort of model, um, and 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 forward onwards from that.
0: Fair enough. Because uh, I was very curious to see if perhaps you'd be doing um, the model that uh, I believe Walking Dead did, which was basically. Um, put it out as a, well. I think they put out the trade, um, like four issues in and did it, priced it really cheap so people could just kind of launch themselves into it. But curious to see how the, the price point is going to be. I'm really, I, I mean, I'm excited for the books, it, they look amazing. Uh, the, the talent pool that you've got involved. I mean, I'm a Ramsay fan, uh, to be fair. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what, what happens with Story World. The website uh, URL is there on the screen, StoryWorldsMedia.com, um, and the the fact that this is a new home for talent right here in the UK is an exciting thing. Um, and I, I can only support the best I can, and I'll do absolutely everything I can to shout to the rafters, um, Max, uh, Simon, Ramsey. It's been an absolute pleasure having you coming on, and uh, all the very best and all the success to Story Worlds uh, moving forward.
1: Thank you. Thank Thanks, you very for, much. it's been great. Yeah, excellent stuff, indeed. Thank you
0: so much, indeed, for coming on. Um, see, see you later. Oh, well, before you do, kind of all disappears. There's um, uh, kind of uh, places, best places for people to find out more about what's going on. Um, I mean, I suppose with Max, I mean, uh, is StoryWorlds underscore?
1: Um, it is. It's, yeah, it's StoryWorlds underscore, underscore, and that that is and and or on the main website. But, um, yeah, on the Twitter, storyworlds underscore.
0: Excellent stuff. Um, and also for uh, Simon and Ramsey, if you could let people, where's the best places to go for people to find out more about what you're up to? Is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Where, where's the best um, place to go?
2: For me, it's Twitter. I'm currently cooking up my website, which is going to be bonkers and great, like Bab. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but you can find me on Twitter being the usual crazy comic guy I am. Which is, a uh, uh, yeah, it's spelt weird, so you can uh, link it. Or okay, Just and uh, go for it. Um, it's R-A-M-Z-E-E-R-A-W-K-Z. On Twitter. Because,
0: because Ramsey rocks. Uh, no. so there you go, excellent stuff, thank you. Uh, and Simon, best place for people to see what you're up to.
3: Well, that's my next project, so I haven't got anywhere. I, I'm, I don't exist online.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, in that case, I think everyone really should be paying attention. The URI, uh, Twitter handle is there on the screen, StoryWorlds underscore. Do go check that out. Guys, thank you very much indeed for coming on, and all the very best with uh, StoryWorlds Media.
1: Thank you. Thank,
0: thanks, thanks. Cheers, Anthony. Thank you. Woo. So there you go. Um, do go check them out because, um, I mean, like I say, the four titles they've got lined up, um, I'm excited uh, for... All of them, they look uh, exciting, uh, interesting, there's new talent moving forward and what's more exciting than that, that's brilliant. Right, um, we are going to now talk about um, some other bits and pieces which involve uh, Comic Cons, because we have ourselves some news from San Diego Comic Con, uh, which (laughs) dropped at the beginning of the week, um, which means uh, we're finally uh, getting something moving forward. But it may not be the best news for uh, everybody, considering that uh, the the news that we've had is that uh, we are not going to be having a badge sale for 2021. Due to the continuing uncertainty of public gatherings during the COVID-19 pandemic, there will be no badge sales for Comic-Con 2021. With the cancellation of Comic-Con 2020, badge uh, badge holders were given the option to either receive a refund or roll over their badge for Comic-Con 2021. Uh, For this reason, we do not believe it is possible to sell additional, additional badges at this time." Basically, what they're saying is they're wanting to limit the numbers. They're wanting to keep it as uh, contained as possible, um, that uh, they don't want to uh, swell it back to uh, the, the, the Comic-Con we know and love, um, then I just, with anybody, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to talk about this because we have to talk about the percentage of people who will be unsafe or feel unsafe about journeying to San Diego for Comic-Con um, because at the end of the day, it's the badges that they've sold minus that percentage um and it's going to eat into the vibe of the convention um i think i mean by all means jump in on the comments uh, do let me know what you think about this because um this is i mean comic con or san diego comic con has always been the show which sets the stall out for other conventions moving forward uh, they're the ones that uh set the tone and the tenor we saw that this summer with uh, Comic-Con at home. Obviously DC with Fandome took it and ran uh, with their uh, with the Fandom. But that shows that everyone was waiting on San Diego to see where the landscape's gonna go forward. In the beginning of the year, you've got WonderCon and people are looking at that as the first possible start. I think it's WonderCon and Emerald City. They're looking at those two to see where the year could possibly go. Um, this is an interesting uh, movement forward for CCI. Um, I think it's a responsible one, if anything, because of the the pairing back of the audience and just coming at it from a also, you could say from a, an established audience, an audience that knows its way around the building, knows its way around San Diego, knows how the thing operates. It's not new faces. It's not people who have got badges for the first time that may not know what they're doing and kind of can disrupt things. It's going to be chaos, as usual, but at least it'll be organized, controlled, and chaos operated by people who know the landscape. Maybe that's one way of looking at it. Um, It's all going to be happening, though, uh, by all accounts, July 22nd, 25th, 2021, Um, If you have a badge um, do let us know in the comments below. Uh, Please do uh, uh, let us know what your thoughts are on this. Is it something that uh, you feel that, um, I don't know, is it something that you feel that can uh, develop? Is it something that uh, uh, would dissuade you from going to San Diego? let me know, because uh, I'll be very curious to see what your thoughts are. Do jump in, of course, with the uh, the, the comments. And of course, like and subscribe uh, with the channels, uh, because we'll be back next week with another episode of Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Um, I'm now going to disappear because I want to check in with uh, Movers and Shakers Unlimited, and I would heartily recommend you checking out their channel, because they're doing a um, look back and a, uh, a, 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 a an assessment of uh, Baltimore Comic-Con. Um, we spoke to the, the people behind them, uh, Mainframe Comic-Con uh, were the people that did the online content for uh, uh, for, for Baltimore. Um, they were um, ambitious and they have been ambitious from pretty much from the start of the pandemic. Uh, so then it's a case of what's the next step? Um, and uh, I think that's what the, uh, the, the retrospective is gonna be to kind of see where uh, virtual conventions go forward Uh, with this kind of, you could say, the industry leader uh, at the moment. Um, While DC Fandom had the biggest amount of eyeballs, it didn't really interact with the fans. This was something that uh, Baltimore insisted happened. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go check out that. That's Movers and Shakers Unlimited. Do go check out their channel. Right. Thank you very much indeed for watching. I hope you've enjoyed the show uh, for today. Um, We have ourselves some great, Uh, episodes coming up and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, our special guests uh, coming uh, uh, forward. We have ourselves a special episode that uh, takes place next week another collective which is going to be uh, coming on and another uh, uh, publishing house but this is one that has managed to get itself very much on the table. Um, They are uh, really kind of putting some amazing books forward uh, with some incredible creators. Vault Comics We've got the CEO, we've got the Editor-in-Chief, and we've got the Head of Publicity coming to join us, Damien and Adrian Wessel. Uh, we've also got David Disanyaki as well. So that's uh, Sunday the 8th of uh, November, so next week. Uh, do join us for our Vault Comic Special. We do have an incidental episode which takes place on Thursday the 12th of November. Um, we're uh, very lucky to be joined by Heather Antos, who's going to be uh, coming on the show. Scotty Young is joining us on Sunday, the 15th of November. Yes, I'm going to do my best to actually talk to Scotty and um, see if we can get him sketching on the show because uh, it's something that we haven't done enough of. (laughs) Try and get some artists to actually do some art on our our live stream. Um, I know know Scotty's not 100% um, comfortable with uh, podcasts, so maybe if we get him to do some drawing, uh, maybe that'll just relax him a little bit. But that's on Sunday, the 15th of November. Sunday, the 22nd of November, a name you may not recognize, Mike Cicchini. He is the editor-in-chief of Den of Geek, that you do know. Uh, We're talking um, the future of uh, media. We're talking how, at that point, we'll be in year, uh, sorry, week three of uh, the pandemic um, of lockdown wave two here in the UK, so we'll have a... A real kind of sense of ennui anyway at that point. Um, I think Mike is going to be someone who's going to be interesting to look to the future of uh, media, and um, when we we may even find out or have found out by that point what's happening with the likes of Wonder Woman, of uh, Free Guy, of uh, coming to America too, uh, and indeed Black Widow for uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's going to be an interesting conversation. That's Mike Cattini, going to be on uh, Sunday, the 22nd of November. And then Sunday, 29th of November, wrapping up the month, White Noise Studios, and we've got the full gamut of them on as well. Alex Pat Nadell, Ramvi, Dan Waters, and Ryan O'Sullivan. If you missed it, uh, on Wednesday, we had ourselves the incidental episode with Dan. Um, Great chat. Uh, He brought out, uh, we talked about his two new upcoming books, which are just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the Picture of Everything Else, and also, um, uh, I, I Homesick Pilots, that was it. <laughs> Almost forgot. Great books, um, Homesick Pilots is, uh, if you can get to your comic book shop and get that pre-ordered, because that is a hell of a book. Um, very much looking forward to uh, seeing what people think about that. So there you go, that's our show. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, thanks again to the guys from Story Worlds. Do check them out at StoryWorldsMedia.com. Do take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. Once again, thank you very much indeed to our audience. Thank you very much indeed to our Patreon supporters for all of your uh, support, um, and to all everyone who's watched the episode. Um, we do this for you, and we hope you stick with us for another Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. That's next Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT. From myself to you, take care. Stay safe, wash your hands, wear your masks, and we'll see you next Sunday. Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego, is a production of The Convention Collective. Visit the Convention Collective for all of your convention news and updates. And support the podcast at patreon.com, EnglishmanSDCC.